We ask the Lord for his Holy Spirit to just flow through us today like a river that refreshes, that brings life. Amen.
rescues Israel out of Egypt but you know what I want you to remember is that scripture says that I took you like put you on eagle's wings he actually rescued them took them but they were still babies they were babies but the goal for God was not to fight their battles but to teach them the power within them to fight their battles Because the goal was not the desert. You remember, he brought them into the desert. The goal was, I'm going to show you who you are. Because they had forgotten, many even a generation didn't really realize who they were. They thought they were slaves. They thought they were captive. And the Lord said, God said, Yahweh said, you're not captive. I'm going to show you you're not captive because I'm going to put you on my back and I'm going to fly you out of here on eagle's wings. But the goal is for you to walk as my sons and daughters. Not for you to be immobilized. Not for you to be afraid of your enemy. Come on. But I'm going to teach you who you are, what it means to be the son and daughter of Yahweh, the Lord God. And so 40 years later, he tells them to go into the promised land. He doesn't request it. He doesn't give them an option, but he commands it. Get ready, you're going in. That's pretty much what Joshua is told to tell the people. Because you're going to learn to fight the battles last time I brought you out but now you're mature enough you should know now that I am with you who you are you are my son and daughter and now the power that I have given to you you're gonna fight the battle you're gonna go into Jericho you're gonna fight the Amalekites you're gonna do these things and you're gonna do it in submission to me because you don't have power unless you're in submission to me. That's where we get the power. So in this song, he brought me out of Egypt. It's the remembering of what God has done. Every last one of us were brought out of Egypt, our Egypt. Actually, scripture reminds Israel 
generation to generation, even to this day, when they celebrate Passover, that he brought them out of Egypt. You all have your Egypts that he brought you out of. You could have been 12, you could have been 4, you could have been 18, you could have been 35. It doesn't matter. He brought you out of your Egypt. But he didn't bring you out of Egypt for you to be a weakling, but for you to be strong in him, to teach you how to go into your land, into your portion. Guess what? You all have a portion. This house, this house has a portion. And when I say that, I don't say, oh, I'll just group. I say individually, as you gain your portion, this house will have their portion. As you gain your portion, as you go into your promised land, as you defeat the enemy, as you rescue people, as you say, you know what, for me, as Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on. The Lord is, Pastor David's going to speak on new beginnings. I feel like there is a revelation that we are a powerful people, that we are a powerful people. The Lord brought us out of Egypt not to reveal our weakness, but to show us our identity, to show us who we are. He brought us out of captivity. He brought us out of slavery. He brought us out of slavery to the enemy. The slave, the one that kept us, dominated us, intimidated us, tried to convince us that we were nothing. We are captive to addiction, captive to fear, captive to these things. And he brought us out. But he didn't bring us out just to save us, to leave us in the desert. He brought us out to bring us into our portion, to reveal to us who we are. And it's in 2022 to dwell in the portion, to dwell in the promise, to dwell in the inheritance that he has for his children. Come on, let's sing that song again. Let's declare me out of freedom into the promised land. Now I will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever by the fury Cause you step on. Cause you stepped into my Let's 
my reasonable worship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're the God. Because you're the God who fights for me, Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift your voices. I 
can see it. I can see it in my family. Come on, sing it out. I have seen it in the streets. I cannot shake your mercy. It chases me. Come on. It chases me. You're still, you're still in the fire. Just in case we feel alone. Still walking on the
still walking on the
is a person, not a human, but a person. Now, Jesus came incarnation, incarnate here as fully human, fully God. But we serve a God who has, is a person in the sense that he has a personality. A lot of times people want to project what they want God to be. And a lot of times that has everything to do with themselves. So really, they're trying to project God to think their way and to be made in their image according to what they want. It's very common, actually. That's why it's so important for us to let the Word of God change us because the Word of God is God's expression or disclosure of who He is. It's very common in our culture to want God to behave in a certain way that's acceptable to us. So if God does something we don't like, then we have a problem with God. Isn't that arrogant when you think about it? I mean, but it's very common. And actually, we can catch ourselves thinking that way. It's important, right? Catch ourselves thinking that way. But the Lord God is a person, and He wants to disclose himself to you that's why he gave us his word that's why he gave us his word both old and new testament a lot of times people say old testament is gone <laughs> only new testament so all of the things in the old testament really like the prophetic books and how god behaved in the prophetic books we don't want to hear about that because god is not that anymore but that's not true i'm going to tell you that's not true the revelation of god is from genesis to revelation the revelation of who he is and he wants his children in 2022 to know who he is now what's interesting because we just sing this song sing god and I love it because it bridges the generations. It says, you know what? He did it then, he does it now. It's not changed because we have technology or medical science or think we're so enlightened and sophisticated. We're way more sophisticated than they were back then when David was just using a slingshot. The truth is we're not. He's the same God. It's interesting how, you know, you hear the whole uh, chatter 
about the concerns of a recession. And you all hear that chatter. And I think about how human beings are so concerned by gold. When you think about it, it all boils down to gold. The stuff that God, the person that we serve, says those, that gold is just what I put on the streets of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> and you all are concerned about gold? Come on. I was providing then. I'm going to provide now because I am. I am your bread. I am your healer. I am your living water. I am. I am. I am. I am. But more importantly than what he does for us, he wants us to have that intimate relationship with him that before we see him do it we believe yeah. the, you know we sang the song before this last one about being in the fire you're still in the fire Lord and it's referring to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego it's referring to that story in scripture you're still in the fire the fact is this, he's the same God. So maybe we go into the fire. Maybe we just say, okay, I walk into the, maybe we end up in the lion's den. As Daniel, I love that story of Daniel. It makes me emotional every time I think about this man of God who is told not to pray, is told not to worship. And if he does, he's going to die because they're after him because he's such a man of integrity. You know what? I love my favorite scriptures. And then Daniel the same time of the day that they knew he did it, he opens up his windows and he prays. I love that because he's consistent. He's faithful to his God. It's not about the circumstances. It's not about the temperature of the situation. It's not about the intimidation that the world wants to bring. He says, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. That is what God is calling us to be. I, the word that the Lord is telling us today is he wants us to dwell in him. To dwell in him. You know, the men got back from the retreat. 27 men went up to the retreat, had a powerful time. But men of God, women of God, children of God, teenagers of God, he wants you to dwell in him. Not visit him. Not visit him on a weekend. But dwell in him. He wants us to dwell. When we start to dwell in him, then our atmosphere of our lives changes. We have a perspective. It's, it, it's like when we get up, our internal atmosphere, our internal atmosphere is supernatural. So whatever happens that day, I have an internal atmosphere going on. That I don't have to go run and find God. I know God is already there. I've been talking to him. He's with me. See, the thing is this. As Jesus said in John chapter 15. Remain in me. And I remain in you. This is how you're going to be fruitful. Dwell in me. The word says dwell in me. You can look at it a few different ways in the Greek. Dwell in me. Reside in me. Where do you reside? I get your address. That's where you live. 
He says, reside in me. The children of God need to reside in him. Not visit him. Reside in him. Men of God, women of God, he wants us to reside in him. Nothing will take you by surprise when you reside in him. He's with you and he has, he will speak to you and the flow from your belly, the Holy Spirit will be there. He will be there. He never fails. He's the same God. Young David, the teenager who goes against the Philistine resided with God. He resided. He tells the story. You know what? I was out there with my sheep. And the lion came against me. And the bear came against me. My God was there. And now my God is here because it didn't matter where he was. God was there. The difference between David and Saul and the Israelite armies, they didn't reside with God. They visited him. Saul, the king at the time, visited God, but he didn't reside with him. And the Lord is telling his church in 2022, quit asking for a visitation. I want to dwell. I want to dwell. You know, that's where we're headed. It's not, oh, that was great. No, it's dwelling every day because, you, you know, let me say one more thing. Then I'm going to pray, Pastor David. People want miracles and healings, and so does the Lord. But the problem is that we only go to Him when we want miracles and healings, rather than residing in Him and experiencing Him, dwelling in His house forever. Dwelling, Psalms 91, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations, teaching people how to dwell. See, when you dwell with him, you have a mind filled with the spirit, full of life and peace, according to Romans. You have a transformed mind because you say, you know what? My internal atmosphere is is with Jesus the oneness with him I'm calling this house I'm calling you to dwell and that means you have time every day to be in his presence you have time every day to make it a priority you if you can drink a cup of coffee if you whatever you do you, some people do certain things what we call religiously. I drink my coffee religiously. Or I uh, turn on the news and watch it religiously. Or I exercise religiously. You know, they use that term. But for some reason, people can't be with the Lord. You, all of you look like you are well fed. You do it religiously. <laughs> you eat religiously. But the Lord is saying, feast at my table religiously. Drink from my fountain religiously. In the sense of I'm dwelling with you. I'm abiding with you. And when I abide with you, this is what's going to happen, people. 
it changes the way you think about your day. Whatever you encounter throughout the day, you're going to have a different mind about. You're going to have different thoughts about. You're going to have a different attitude about it. You're going to have, you're going to have the awareness of the power of God in your life, no matter what comes your way. The dwelling place of God is in you now. It used to be they went to a temple and they made sacrifices. But now it's in you. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to pray over this. I see, as I was worshiping, I saw two things. I saw the um, widow who needed finances because she was in debt. And the prophet told her, go get as many jars as possible. Go get as many as possible. And then you're going to start pouring your oil. I see Jesus, his first miracle, saying to the servants, go get the empty water pots. Go get the empty water pots and fill them with water. And I will do a miracle. And I said, Lord, why are you saying that? The Lord is saying, I want to fill the empty. I want to respond to the obedient. Two words, empty, empty of the world, empty of other things, empty and available, available for the miracle, available for the oil, the anointing, available. You say, well, you know what? How are we going to? move this house how are we going to have multiplication when we are empty pots available when we are obedient servants available to say i don't get it but i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it because you asked me to do it i'm a yes person i'm a minute man whatever you tell me lord i do it i do it i do it i do it no argument no excuses come on This is the season, if you listen to my feel to the brim, of the latter rain. The hard rain. (laughs) But the latter rain fills the plant. It's not for the soil, now it's for the plant. To become what it needs to become, to be fruitful and multiply. Lord, right now, let's raise our hands. Holy Spirit has given really directive words over this house. He's maturing us for multiplication. Lord, right now, we serve you, the same God, but you're saying you've got to dwell with me. He's talking about personal lives. It's a specific teaching he's sending your way to say, you know what? You need to dwell with me. You need to be spending daily time with me. I want to fill you. I want to not here and there, not when you're going through something, not when because you, you tried it on your own and now you have a mess and now you come to me. The Lord is saying, I'm maturing you now that you dwell with me. You dwell with me. You have an internal atmosphere of dwelling. And when you have an internal atmosphere of dwelling with the Lord, you bring it externally. You're able to go against Goliath because you have an internal atmosphere of dwelling with me. And so when that giant comes against you, you know who you are. You know who I am. You know the power that I have through your life. Lord, right now for those in this house, 
we declare and decree we're going to be people who dwell. Lord, for those who may be struggling with consistency of being in your word and in prayer, Lord, they're able. May they take down the stronghold of their mind that they're not able. That is a stronghold the enemy wants them to say that they're too busy, that they can't do it, whatever it may be. That's a stronghold that the enemy wants them to believe. That's a lie. We take down that lie. We take that lie down that, that we don't, uh, aren't able to be consistent in your word and in prayer with you. We are able to be consistent. Why? Because you're the same God. You're the same God. You're here with us. You've given us the power. You've given us the same power you gave David and Daniel and all Moses and all the men and women of God in scripture you've given us that same power and more because that same power dwells in us because of the Holy Spirit Lord we thank you for your word in your name amen 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 what I want you to do just uh, shake each other's hands welcome each other welcome 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 Praise the Lord. Welcome if you're a visitor. All visitors are welcome here. You can fill out a card in the pew in front of you. Put it in the offering basket as it goes. Um, if you uh, have new information or if you weren't here on launch Sunday and wants to know what's going on, we have all kinds of ministries that are going on. There's one of these sheets in the lobby. You can fill it out, give it to one of our ushers. If you're interested in belonging or, or participating or having more information on certain small groups, we have a lot of opportunities for you to connect and grow the more opportunities we give you the more ability you have to be a muscle Christian and that's pastor David and my desire is not for you to be a spectator Christian but a participator come on Jesus so that you are strong and courageous so that's what I want you to do if you didn't do it fill it out give it to one of the ushers Pastor David wants to remind you of the ways that we keep you strong. There's daily devotional he gives out. If you don't get it, he ha just put your email on and say, I want the daily devotional. And also I have filled to the brims Tuesday through Saturday. Filled to the brim. Filled to the brim is on YouTube. It's about 10, 12 minutes. It is a word. Actually, we typically have a theme word for the week. I'm going to tell you what. Nobody else is appreciated. I sure am getting a lot out of it because the Holy Spirit is just really speaking to me and teaching me about what he's doing. So I really want you, if you can, if you listen to other things, it's a good thing to listen to. It's a prophetic uh, teaching time. So you can also just send, give me your email or you can just log into that. Yesterday we had intercessory prayer. There's 12 
of uh, our intercessory prayer members that um, gathered yesterday. It was a powerful time. I checked in with Rama. She said it was a powerful time. Next Sunday is our business meeting after second service. If you're a member of the church, please plan to be there. We have two board members. We are going to be voting in. All right, October 7th through 9th is the women's retreat. If you have not signed up for it, I, I'm encouraging you to do that. We have a video to run on that. Here she goes. Hi, ladies. I'm out here at Mount Hermon. I'm in the room where we're going to be meeting together and meeting with the Lord. And I'm so excited. I feel the presence of the Lord already here. And I have such great expectation for what God is going to do between uh, October 7th through 9th for every last one of you. Come believing God. Make sure you don't miss out. Those of you that have not yet registered, please do so. You don't want to miss what God is going to do in this place, October 7th through 9th. I can already feel his presence in this place. All right, there's still room. Mount Hermon has been really good to us to give us more rooms. We have 44. This is the largest women's retreat we've ever had. And I, I also know big. He's going to do big things in the lives of people. So if you haven't registered, please do so. You still can. We'll squeeze you in there. Other things going on, Tongues of Fire, which is our Friday evening local service where our partners sign on live and are with us. We have prayer times. We have the Teen Challenge here. We want you here. It's a revival service, uh, Friday evening, November 4th at 8 p.m. Join those things. Come to those things. Get passionate for the Lord. Ministry partner of the week, Laurel and Kim Harvey, Rural Compassion. They do ministry throughout the U.S., and helping uh, churches in rural areas to ignite them and to get them connected to their community. Please keep them in your prayers. We have sermons online, as you know, and you can find those in our e-newsletter. Please sign up for the e-newsletter if you haven't done that. And pass on the messages. It's time to give our tithes and offerings. Ushers, please come forward. You know what? God has blessed this house. As long as we are faithful to him, there will always be bread in the house. There will always be oil that flows. We're just going to be faithful to him. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you bless this house. It's not based on man. It's based on you. Lord, we look to you, Father. But, Lord, we know that you've allowed multiplication and prosperity to come to this house because of faithfulness. And so, Lord, we're going to just keep our eyes fixed on you. Do what you say. Lord, take these tithes and offerings and multiply them for your kingdom in your name. Amen. God bless you. Oh, God, my God, I need you. standing on his faithfulness you know the Lord is good isn't he hey I want to welcome all of you this morning uh, it's interesting uh, 
you know, you may think my wife and I and Pastor Rebecca sit down and talk about what we're going to do. We kind of have a general idea, but we don't share things. And I, I was uh, sitting here telling uh, myself, I hope my wife doesn't share everything. And I hope Pastor Rebecca doesn't sing songs, more songs that are on my message. But God is putting together a new season for us. And it was interesting, this last week I was thinking, uh, uh, after the men's retreat, I was on Sunday afternoon, I was just out in the garage. I do what I call putzing. Anyone know what that is? Just doing nothing but thinking and praying. And I was in the garage and the Lord spoke to me and he says, I want you to talk next Sunday about a new season, having a new beginning. And I, so I just started working on it, not thinking about it. And then later on in the week, I looked at my calendar and I realized, do you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is happy 5783. That's how many years it is in the Jewish calendar. It's Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. It starts Monday evening at, seven, at, at dusk, and it goes for two days. And I was thinking, how cool is it that the Lord spoke to me a week prior to telling me about we're going to have a new beginning, a new season, a new time. And that's really what our church is going through right now. I believe, you know, every single day you can have a new beginning. Every single week you could have a new beginning. Every single year you could have a new beginning. Every single season you could have a new beginning. Actually, with every single opportunity that you have and every single decision you have, you have an opportunity to start a new season in your life. Do you know that? Yes. You know that? Everyone else know that? You know, it's interesting because God is really a God of new beginnings. He is everything that God does is about giving us a new beginning. And I, I love it in, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, even in the very first uh, text in Scripture, we see that he says, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. My wife and I had a conversation this week when we drove over to Santa Cruz. We were talking about, was there anything before God created the heavens and the earth? What was there? And in Jewish tradition, how many of you remember the old show Cheers? Anyone remember Cheers? Remember Lilith? You know Lilith? Lilith was the, the wife in the show that was kind of hard to get along with. Actually, in Jewish mythology, they tell us that Lilith was the first female created, and she was so rebellious, God wiped everything out and started the whole thing over. And that's, that's why in the, the, the show Cheers, the wife's name was Lilith, because it was kind of, she was like the anathema of what every, every person didn't like. But in, in Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how God created a new beginning. And if you go through Scripture, there are so many places that God's Word talks about new beginnings. Look what he says in the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19, he says this. He says, forget the former things. How many of you are still remembering your former life? You know, God wants you to forget your former life. He wants you to allow your former life to be washed away. Look what he says. He says, don't dwell in the past. I don't know how many times I've heard believers tell me about something that's happened 10, 15, 20, 25 years, 30 years ago in their past that is still controlling them rather than turning that over to the Lord and allowing the Lord to transform them by a new mind and a new spirit to release them from that. And I love what he says here. I am doing a new thing. Not I might be or maybe or someday I'm going to do a new thing. But he says, I am doing a new thing. And then he says this. I love this. It'll sp Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? You know what this is talking about? This is talking about you and I being aware of what the Lord's doing. You know, we have to have an insight and understanding to what the Lord's doing or we're going to miss it. 
That's why scripture says in the, old, in the, in the uh, book of Revelation, to those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, listen. How many of you as parents have talked to your kids and said this phrase, are you listening to me? You know, they may be listening, but maybe they're looking at you, but they're not listening to you. Or maybe they're hearing you, but they're not listening to you. Maybe they're, 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 the sound is bouncing around inside of their head, going in one ear and out the other. Well, you know, as children of God, we do the same thing. The Lord speaks to us, and we hear him, but it's, like, it's kind of like ricocheting around and just dissipates out the other ear. God is wanting us to hear him. Look what he's saying. He's saying, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about renewing something that is dead, renewing something that is dried up, renewing something that needs a fresh input of his spirit. And God wants us to have that every single day of our life. You know, I, I love the fact that we can study Jewish life, but you know, I'm thankful that I'm not Jewish. You know, I'm thankful that I'm not stuck in that religious system that is of ritual and of, of, of tradition and of, of following a, a, a pattern of prayer. I'm thankful I have a God that has a loving, living relationship with me, that I could sit down in the morning and talk to him as I'm sitting and drinking my coffee or sitting and reading scripture, that the God of heaven and earth speaks to me on a daily basis. Aren't you glad he does that to you? And you see what he wants to do. He wants to cultivate that in your life on a daily basis. He wants you to know him intimately. He wants every day to be a new beginning. Every day you come into him, he wants you to have a relationship with him. But the question is this, are you allowing the Lord to do that new thing in your life? I've met believer after believer after believer that talk a talk about wanting God to do something in their life, but when God wants to do something in their life, they're like, not now. I'm too busy. I've got something else I'm doing. And God's saying, hey, today is the day. Right now is the day. If you're not going to allow him in today, don't expect to allow him in tomorrow. God wants to do something fresh and new in your life right now, right here. There's another passage in the Old Testament in the, in the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, he says this, and this is what I talked about at the men's retreat. He says, I will give you what? A new heart. And put a spirit in you. He will put a new spirit in you. Not an old spirit. He wants to put a newness in you and a freshness. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning. His loving kindness is new every day. And God wants to fill you and I with a newness of his presence. And then he says this. I will remove the heart of what? Of stone. What is he talking about here? You ever get hard-hearted? Do you ever meet someone and you just, they did something to you and your heart just gets like, Ugh. you get the angst, I call it. Well, you know what God wants you to do? God wants you to have a tender heart. He wants you to have a heart that is pliable and moldable. He wants to give you a heart that is a heart of flesh, that is alive. The difference between a stone and a human heart that's alive is a lot, isn't it? One can't do much. It's there. You can see it in the shape of a heart, but it's not really alive. But a human heart, a heart of flesh, is one that is operating as the blood flowing through it, has the presence of God moving it and shifting it and, and, and making it work. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to ask you this. Do you have a new heart? Is your heart hardened? Have you allowed the things of this world to create a callousness in you that God can't speak to you to do something new? You know, Scripture is very clear 
that we have to be tenderhearted for the Lord. And I want to challenge us as a church. Don't ever get to the place where you allow your heart to be kind of jaded, you know? Your heart can, kind of tends to be kind of hardened to things. God wants you to have a tender heart. Look what he says in the book of Lamentations. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 24, he says this, listen. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, what? I will wait for him. Do you know the Lord wants you to wait for him in the morning? Sometimes we get so busy. We live in one of the most hectic areas of the country. We live in an area that's high-paced. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't drive slow. You can't walk slow. You can't think slow. You can't do anything slow. The only thing slow about us is, is sometimes our internet connectivity, right? And what happens? We're like, come on, why isn't it going faster? Why isn't it going faster? And God wants us to just be still and know that he is God. There is something that happens when we just marinate in the presence of the Lord. When we just sit there and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to be still and to know that he is God and to know him in such a way that he becomes your portion. You know, so many times we want God to do something like like Pastor Lynn said, but we don't want to wait to hear it. We don't want to wait to experience it. We're like, okay, God, you're on my timetable. And the truth is, you're not. You're on his timetable. And the truth is, if we would learn to listen and, and operate with that mindset, it would change the way we think. And one of the things that God wants to do is God wants to give us an ability to walk in his faithfulness new every day. And the only way we can do that is by spending time with him, by nurturing that and cultivating that. You know, I, I, it's amazing how even like you, you said about how we have religious rituals in our life, but we can't cultivate the presence of the Lord in our life. You know, I go into Pete's Coffee usually four times a week in the afternoon, and I walk in, and they'll, they'll look at me, and they'll, you're late today. Why? Because I am on a schedule. I am on a ritual. How many of us have rituals that include the Lord? How many of us have rituals that cultivate a relationship with the Lord. You know, if you make time for the Lord, he'll show up. But sometimes he's got to get the clutter and the static out of your head. You know, you just got to be still and, it's, and just and allow the presence of the Lord to dwell and marinate around you. You know, one of the things that I do to cultivate that, I'll put on worship music. And I'll put on, I have in my, in my when I'm driving, I love, I love the fact that we have smartphones. Sometimes our phones are smarter than us, right? But I could sit to my phone and say, Hey, Siri, play piano praise, and it'll play just instrumental worship music that just cultivates in my mind the presence of the Lord. And I'll be driving, and I'll just hear the worship music playing. And, and, and how many of you ever had like a really rough day where a lot of things didn't go right, but all of a sudden you get in the presence of the Lord, and it all just dissipates like the fog on a morning? Well, that's what God wants to do. He wants to cultivate in us an understanding and a sensitivity of his presence. And then he says this. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The, the, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. You know the problem with believers? We like holding on to the old creation. 
We like holding on to the old self and saying, why, why can't I grow forward, Lord? Because you're holding on to the past. You're holding on to something that the Lord is asking you to let go and holding on to something that the Lord is challenging you to release so that you can have something new. But the problem with us as people, we don't like to take that step of faith. You know, there's comfort in the old, you know? How many of you have an old chair in your house that someone else in the house would like to get rid of? How many of you have an old sweatshirt or something that, you know, it's, it's, you don't wear it out to a nice event because it's all ratty and old, and some, someone, someone wants to give you a new one, but no, no, I've got the old one. We have all of these things that we keep because that they're, they're comfort, we're, we're, we're comfortable with them. And God's saying, I want you to trust me to walk into a new season. I want you to trust me that I am going to be faithful. If he is faithful, he's this, we sang about it this morning. He's the same God of Jacob. He's the same God of Moses. He's the same God of Mary. But sometimes we forget he's not the same God to us. We, you, know, you and I are not the exception to the rule. I hate to tell you that. God will be faithful to you like he's been faithful. Why? Because scripture says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change, but he's waiting for us to change to become like him. And that happens when we realize that the old is passed away. And so are you allowing the old person, listen, listen to me, you got to hear this. Are you allowing that old person that wants to hold on to your past to keep you from that new thing that God has? Are you allowing this, uh, your old spirit and your old relationships and your old things to hold you back rather than allowing those to be released so God could take you into a new season? You know, there's a component of faith involved in this. We, we don't, just, we don't just, just toggle over. We have to experience God, and then we learn to trust him, and then we trust him even more, and then we trust him even more. But the only way you could do that is by stepping out and saying, God, just like you were with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when I'm, they were in a fire, you're going to be with me. It comes from experiencing him. You know, so many times we want to hang on to the old life, and we talk about it like it was so good, you know? Oh, the good old days. You know, trust me, they weren't as good as you, you remember them. As you get older, they get even, they get even better the older you get because you still can't remember all of the things that went wrong. But God's saying, I have a new season for you. I have a, something new for you. Look what he says in Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. He says, do not lie to one another. Hmm. How many of us lie to ourselves? You know, we don't have to lie to someone else because we're lying to ourselves about what the past used to be. But he says this, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, do you know that, that we can get very comfortable in operating as the old man or the old woman of who we were? Because we like it. We're used to it. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's muscle memory. It's the way we lived our life, and God's saying, you know what? That old life should have died when you, when you were crucified with Christ. That should have been buried. That should have been washed away. But he says this, but have you put on the new self? It's really a question for us. Have you put on the new self? Have you made a conscious decision to put on the new man or new woman that God wants you to be in Christ? He says, because one of the things that you have to do, if you do that, look what he says happens. Paul is talking to the church in Colossae, and he says to him, if you do that, you're going to be renewed in the knowledge, in the image of whom? The creator. Some of us have to have a renewed thinking. Some of us have to have our mind transformed. Romans 12, 2. 
The transformation of our mind comes from being renewed in the word of God. And yet one of the things that we often do as believers is we allow the old ways of thinking to linger into our new life in Christ. And you know, they're, they're like two operating systems of a computer. They don't function well. They don't operate well. And what God wants to do is God wants you to operate in an understanding and knowledge of him. Look what he says. He says that you will have a knowledge in the image of the creator. He wants you to have that intimate understanding of who he is and the only way we do that is when we're spending time with him when we're nurturing that relationship where we're surrendering our will to his will you know so many believers I they they want to know the will of God but it's not your will but my will be done God I just want you to bless my will and God's saying no you need to crucify yourself so you understand who I am and learn that I'm going to take you and lead you into a new place a place that you don't even know exists yet why because you're holding on to that old thing and you can't release it to get to the next level look what he tells the church in Ephesus this is a great passage of scripture he says you were taught in regard, with regard to your former ways of life to put off the old self, which has been corrupted by the, its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What does it mean to put off the old self? Do you know that's a conscious decision you have to make? I can't do it for you. The person sitting next to you can't do it for you. Some quick fix can't do it for you. You can't take a miracle pill and put off the old self. You have to make a decision, a conscious decision, that today I'm going to put off that old self and I'm going to put it away and get rid of it. I'm not going to allow it even to hang around. I'm going to get remove it from me so it's no longer a temptation. And it's interesting because one of the things that happens is there's a change in the attitude of your minds. Paul's is very interesting because this is the only place in Scripture that Paul uses this word that he uses in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, where he says you have to take and you have to make new. It's actually, a lot of scholars feel it's, it's, it's actually a, a word that Paul created because it talks about having sanctified reasoning. You know what that means? It means that your mind has been transformed because of your relationship with Christ and the way you think is no longer the way you used to think because your old thinking is thinking thinking. And God says, I want to give you a sanctified mind. I want you to think of things the way I think of them, not the way that you thought of them in the past, not the way that you were culturally thought, and not the way your family brought you up, not the way even you thought you were doing the right thing. But I want to sanctify you. And you know what that means? It means I want to make your thinking holy. We need to have a, ra a, a radical transformation in the way we think. Because the old person is trying to pull us back into that lifestyle. I don't know about you, but do you remember when you first came to faith? And some of your old friends, what would they do? Oh, come on, Willis. We, come on, we, it's not going to hurt you just once. It's not going to hurt. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to tie that rope around your ankle to hook it up to a ball and throw it into the sea so you get sucked back into your old way of thinking. And what the Lord is saying, I want to sanctify your thinking. Some of us have to, ha we need to be brainwashed because we have so much garbage up there from the past. The Lord needed to come in and cleanse us. Be transformed by what? 
by the renewing of your mind. How is your mind renewed? It's in the word of God. It's in the things of the spirit. It's allowing the word of God to transform you, not just in the way you act outwardly, but more importantly, the way you think inwardly. Paul says this. He says, the attitude is raising you up to a new level spiritually. A new level of spiritual comprehension and a new level of spiritual reality. And the fact is, we as a church, I don't know where you're going, but I tell you where we're going. We're going to a new level with the Lord. I'm tired of the old level. I'm tired of the old things. I'm tired of the way it used to be. I want God to do something the way it should be, the way he wants it to be, not the way we want it to be. I tell people all the time, this is not my church. This is his church. We're going to do the things the way he wants us to do it, not the way we want to do it. And a lot of times the way we want to do it is the old way. And he's saying, you know, I got something new for you right now. I got something that's going to give you a new spiritual comprehension and reality. I've got something that's going to change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, the end result is going to be different. And God is calling us to that. Listen to me. Some of us, we can't get into a new season because we're allowing the old self to hold us back. And you gotta, you got to die to self. you gotta, you got to crucify yourself is what Paul says. He says you've got to allow the past to stay back there and not, oh, remember when? Oh, it was so good. No, it wasn't. You just can't remember how bad it was. And if it was so good, why didn't you stay there? Because it wasn't good. And God wouldn't let you there because it wasn't a good experience. And he's going to take you into a new season, into a new dimension, into a new reality. And that comes from when you say, you know what, Lord? Deliver me. Give me a new beginning. Right now, some of us, we just need to pray right now. Lord, I pray over us right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just radically transform our minds to think upon those things that you're changing us to be. I pray the words that Paul prayed over the church of Ephesians, that, God, we would be made new in the attitude of our minds, that, God, there would be a new self created to be like you, Lord, that you would give us that, that sanctified reasoning, that sanctified declaration of who we are in Christ. And, Lord, I pray that our minds, you would change our minds, Lord, to think on things the way you think upon them, Lord. Thank you. Do you know something? That psychologists tell us that when you change the way you think in it, it changes the way you think in it. It also changes your speech. <laughs> when you change the way you think, the, your brain chemistry is altered. Think about that. Why do we have to change the way we think? Because our old mind patterns, the, 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 the muscle memory of our brain would want us to do things the way we've always done it. And what God is saying, I want to give you a new mind. I want to give you the mind of Christ. You're still working on being pulled back into the world. And the Lord's saying, I want to give you the mind that is transformed supernaturally. Because when your mind is transformed supernaturally, all of a sudden you start seeing supernatural things. Why? Because your, your eyes are opened. Your ears are opened. Your sensitivity is open. And what God wants to do is he wants to transform you to that. Listen to what he said in, in the scripture in 1 Peter chapter, uh, verse 1, verse 3, uh, 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into the living hope 
through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. You see, there is something happens to us when we are not just come to faith, but when we realize what the living hope is. Think about it. Christ has such an incredible plan and purpose for your life, but yet so many times we live so short of that because we don't fully understand what he's trying to say to us. And what he's trying to say to us, he's going to give us opportunities for new beginnings, for new things, but we have to choose to respond to them. The one thing I, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt with the Lord, he will never force you to do anything. He will give you opportunity, and many times he will give you opportunity again and again and again. But you have to choose to do it. That's why scripture says in the Old Testament, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let me tell you, as long as we're the pastors at this church, we're going to serve what the Lord wants us to do. We're not going to listen to the chatter, chatter of people around. We should do this, we should do this. We're going to do what the Lord's told us to do. Why? Because this is his house, not our house. And as long as we're faithful to that, we will listen and hear it. I want to take you back in the Old Testament. There's a story in the Old Testament that really personifies what I'm trying to talk to you about this morning. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 35, starting at verse 1 through verse 9, there's a story of Jacob. This is a story of Jacob's new beginning. And I want you to listen to it, and I'm not going to get through this whole thing. I, I, I was working on this. I probably have two or three sermons I could do out of this. But I want to just concentrate on the first, first section of this. But I want to read it so you understand what's going on. Look what it says. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to the household and to all who were with him, get rid of the foreign gods that you have with you and purify yourself and change your clothes. Then come and let us go up to Bethel where I will build an altar to God who answered me on the day of my distress and who's been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all their foreign gods that they had and the rings in their ears and Jacob burned them under the oak of Shechem. Then they set out and the terror of the Lord fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all of the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Cana. There he built an altar and he called the place El Bethel because it is where the God, that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak tree outside of Bethel. So it was named Alam Barukaruk. After Jacob returned from Panal Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. Let me give you a little bit of background to this text. Jacob's been a place where he's in a lot of fear. He's not sure what's going on in his life. There's a lot of uncertainty. He's struggling, both he and his, his, his there was a, a lot of shame that was on his family. If you know the story, if you read previously in the previous chapters of this book, you see that Jacob and his family were, were under such strong shame because his daughter, Dinah, had been raped by a man who was a prince. And they were about to form an alliance with this, this foreign nation, the Canaanites, and she was taken advantage of, and the shame upon the family was so great that, that, that Jacob's heart was very burdened. And so what happened? He had two, two children. His two children, uh, Simon and Levi, decided they're going to 
they're going to take care of the situation. So they told the people, well, in order for you to make a covenant arrangement with us, you have to go through the circumcision process. All the men are going to have to be circumcised. And, and while they, after they were circumcised, as they were healing, they were in a lot of pain, you can only imagine. And so they went in and they slaughtered them all. And Jacob is feeling at this point, you know, we just broke a treaty with a, a foreign nation. Are the other nations around us going to come in and attack us? And that's all kind of weighing on him. Now, you can imagine the stress that he was under. So he goes here, and, and God has a new word for him. Let me tell you, anytime you're going through a difficult situation, God has a new word for you. God has a word where he wants to speak life to you. He doesn't want you to operate. Let me hear, hear me on this. If you operate by fear, you're not operating by faith. Jacob was allowing that fear to well up in him. Now, the difference between Jacob and you and I is the Holy Spirit didn't come and reside in him like he resides in you if you're a new creation. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can remove fear from us. Jacob didn't have that. So listen to what happens. Look at verse 1 in Genesis 35, 1. And then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you while you were fleeing from your brother Esau. The very first thing that God said to Jacob was to go up. Something happens to us. This is a, really a prophetic direct, direction for Jacob. This is a prophetic word to Jacob from the Lord that he is to go up. Actually, the Hebrew word is the word Allah, A-L-A-H. And it literally means to ascend, to go to a higher level, to step up into what God has for you, to move into a, a place where you're closer to the Lord. Where was, where was Bethel? Where was Bethel at? It was, it was basically a place, it was a mountain. He was going up to a higher place, a place where he would be able to encounter the Lord. Let me tell you, God wants to take you up to a higher place. He wants to take you up to a place that you have not experienced yet, but when you step into it, he's going to lead you and guide you into new revelation and new understanding. And he says to him, I want you to go up because I want you to have a fresh encounter. I want you to have a fresh understanding. I want you to have a fresh intimacy with you. I want to initiate a new beginning for you. I want to cultivate something in your life that is new that you've never experienced before. And so what does he do? He steps up. The second thing that we see in this verse, this is really interesting. He says, I want you to, to go up to where? He wants you to go up to Bethel. You see, you've got to go up to some place. Do you know what's interesting I was, when I was studying this? In the Old Testament, specifically in the Old Testament, it's different in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, the imagery of sitting down meant defeat. In the New Testament, where are we seated? We're seated at the right hand of Christ, right hand of God the Father in heaven, which means we're resting on the authority of Christ. But in the, in the Old Testament, being seated signified you were in defeat. Let me give you a couple examples of that. Saul. Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, he sat down when he was going through a, a, a situation when he's facing his great enemy. Why? Because he felt that he could not defeat them. Another example you see in Scripture is King David. King David, I mean, he had the opportunity. He should have been gone off to war. At the time where, where kings went to war, David decided, you know what? I, I'm going to just sit down. I'm going to send Joash out. He's going to take battle place. I'm going to just sit down and relax. And then what happened to him? When he was supposed to be out at war, 
sitting up on his roof looking out over the thing. And what happened? He fell into sin. You know, you go through scripture over and over and over. Elijah the prophet, when Elijah was dealing with Jezebel, what did he do? He went and he sat down because why? He was like, oh, she's pursuing me. He just had his powerful encounter with the prophets of Baal. And then Jezebel speaks a word. And what does he do? He just sits down and relaxes because he, he's overwhelmed by it. Over and over and over in Scripture, you see that. You see that with Jonah. When Jonah's like, I, I just can't, I, I can't go. And he sits down under a tree. Why? Because, oh, everything's going against me. Let me tell you, that is not what God wants us to do. He hasn't committed you and I to a life of sitting down and being lazy. He's committed us to a life of standing up and going to the place of meeting him. And that's what he says secondly. He says, I want you to go up to where? To Bethel. What is Bethel? Bethel is the place where Jacob first encountered God. It was the place where he first ran in to the Lord God Almighty, and it transformed him. You know, it's interesting because if you understand the, the genealogy of the Old Testament, who was Jacob's grandfather? Abraham. So you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You had three, three generations, just like in the New Testament where Paul said to t young Timothy, I saw how the faith lived in your grandmother Lois and in your, your grandmother and your mother and now lives in you. The same thing we're seeing in the Old Testament. We're seeing a, a, an imagery of how faith is passed from one generation to the next. And one of the things that God, I, I really believe God wants to do of us going up to Bethel is listen to me. He wants us to have a generational faith. Are you hearing me? It's not just you experiencing faith, but it's your children experiencing faith, your grandchildren experiencing faith. If you live long enough for your great-grandchildren, for them to experience faith. And you know how that happens? That happens when we listen to the Lord. And when the Lord says, do something, we do it. Now, I'm not, I'm not naive enough to, to believe that the church has never hurt anyone. I've seen the church hurt a lot of people. We've been hurt by the church. You may have been hurt by the church. But let me tell you what you shouldn't do if you've been hurt by the church. Don't blame the church for the reason you're not intimate with the Lord. I've seen so many people over 30-plus years of ministry that have blamed the church, and they go home after service, and they have what I call afterglow. And they tear apart the church. They tear apart the pastor. They tear apart what's going on in the church, and their kids reap the damage of it. Their kids reap the damage of being cynical and critical about spiritual things. You know why? Because mom and dad aren't experiencing God daily at home. They just come to church, and they have a, a one-fix moment, and then they go out and they live in the old self. That's why it's so important for us to have the new man, the new woman in Christ. I hate to tell you this. The church's responsibility isn't to raise your children in the faith. It's your responsibility as a parent to raise your children in the faith. And what we do is we nurture that. We stand alongside of you for that. You know, Pastor Nick and all he does in the youth, Pastor Sandy, what she does in the children, it's, their, it's not their responsibility for your children to come to faith. They're working with you. They're standing beside you. But if you're not consistent at home, come on, give, it, give me two, three hours a week. How many hours do you have in a week? 140? We get two, three hours? It's important for you, listen to me. This is, not, this is not condemning anyone. This is not 
This is just challenging us to step into that new season, to say, God, I want a newness in my family every single day. I just don't want it on Sunday morning. And then they go back and they see us. You know, I I had a friend, one of the guys I used to party with, his father was a pastor. And he and I would go partying because his father lived it out on Sunday and he partied the rest of the week. His father wasn't consistent at home and his family was devastated by that relationship. So I'm not just talking about people that are on this side of the pulpit, but I'm talking about all of us. We have to live out our faith on a daily basis. We have to live it out in such a way that we're passing it on and impacting the next generation with the word of God. So Bethel was a place where he encountered God, and he encountered God in a supernatural way. Third thing is this. This is where my wife was stealing my notes. We need to settle. He says, I want you to go to Bethel, and I want you to settle there. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about not just, you know, the spiritual hokey pokey, put our feet in, oh, get something good, and then step back away. It's not, oh, coming in on a Sunday and then leaving it the rest of the week. It's actually the word that he uses there means to set up, establish, and and ground yourself in a permanent place. I love this picture. This is a, a picture of a person embracing Jesus an artist's rendition of what it means to embrace Jesus. This gal is not letting go of Jesus. She's holding on for good. And that's what it talks about remaining. It talks about, it's actually, it's interesting, it's an aorist tense verb, which literally means this. You begin at one point in time, and you continue on without stopping. If you go to the New Testament, the New Testament talks about it this way. He says that in, in, in John's Gospel, in John 15, verse 4, listen to this, four times in one verse, the Apostle John's word tells us this. In John 15, 4, remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And the Greek word there is used in this in this passage is used 118 times in the New Testament telling believers you gotta remain in Jesus. It's not a a one once once you know quick fill it's you consistently are with him you stay with him all the time and how does that apply to us it applies that you all as individuals need to stay in with Jesus so when we come together all of us are coming in together with a new mind we're all coming in with a new spirit we're all cultivating that same thing it's not just one person doing it but it's all of us doing it it's 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 developing that And then he says, it's interesting because he says, I want you to settle in and I want you to have a daily intimacy with him. There's not many people here that were here. Uh, It was 3,798 days ago, or excuse me, 68 days ago. I don't know if you remember what happened 3,968 days ago. Anyone? Anyone? That was when... I preached my first message as a candidate for this church. And I remember, you remember, now I'm jogging your memory, you remember. And I I said something, I said something back then that I didn't realize, it meant it to be kind of a humorous thing, but it was kind of a, a prophetic statement. I quoted a theologian, and I quoted what a theologian said. He said, you gotta get up off of that thing. James Brown, right? But that was a prophetic word for this church. Because when we first came to this church, this church was pretty, pretty much flatlined. But you know what? We're going into a new season. 
The old things have passed away. All things are becoming new. And God's leading us into a new place. Because part of settling there is to get up and to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend upon you. You know, this last year we were in Israel. Went to a place called Philippi Caesarea. And it's, it's the base of Mount Hermon. It's about 15 miles from the Sea of Galilee. It's where the archaeological remains of the temple of the god Pan was. It's where Jesus stood and said, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. And this is the place where Jesus declared over the church that he is going to build up the church. You know who the church is? It's not a building. It's not a, it's not a physical structure like this. Really, this is just a meeting hall. We call it a sanctuary, but why do we call it a sanctuary? It's because we've dedicated it to the presence of the Lord. We could be meeting in a gym. We could be meeting in a a barn. We could be meeting in a field, and that would be our sanctuary. Why? Because we are the church. And when the church rises up, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But when the church is back there, like in the Old Testament, sitting down saying, oh, we're defeated. We can't do this. I'm exhausted. I don't know about you. There's no more energy in me. What happens? The enemy prevails. And I'm calling us as men and women of faith to rise up, to take a stand at what God wants to do. Take a stand at what the Spirit of God is calling us to do. Because he is challenging us as a church to not become passive in our faith, but to become active in our faith, to pull out that two-edged sword of the Word of God and and speak forth His Word to this this generation. I'll tell you, other religions, other spiritual forces are not afraid to be in your face about what they believe. Why are we so passive in what we believe? Father, right now, I just pray and ask, Father, if your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord, You're taking us into a new season, into a new place, into a new dimension with you. Lord, you're taking us into a new arena of spiritual growth. And I pray that, Father, that some of us here this morning, God, we need to be kind of encouraged strongly to keep you first. Lord, you give us these kind of words so that we could change. Not to condemn us, Lord, but to renew us. Not to bring us under shame and guilt, but bring us under conviction so that we could change the way we are. And if that's you this morning, if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, you know something, Pastor David, I just, I've been living like kind of like the old person. I'm allowing that to creep in. You just need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. You need to ask the Lord to cleanse you. You need to ask the Lord to sever those old ties. You need to ask the Lord to give you a new spirit. That You need to ask the Lord to strengthen you in the innermost man or woman of faith that you are. You need to ask the Lord to to transform your mind the way he's transformed it in Scripture according to his word. And you need to get up and you need to stand and seek after the Lord. So, Lord, right now we come before you. And we ask and pray that, Father, your spirit would just change our hearts. Give us a heart that is sensitive to you. Give us a heart that is tender to you. Give us a heart that is pliable to you, Lord. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just transform us as men and women of faith into people that look at this day as a new beginning in what we're doing with you. I pray and I ask, Father, that your Spirit would just just motivate us to be people of, of such passion for you that we're no longer the same. And Father, I ask that you would create in us a clean heart. 
I ask that you would create in us a desire to know you in a more intimate way than we've ever known you before. And I pray, Father, that we would be rooted and grounded in you like we've never known before. And I pray that, God, you would do something supernatural in our lives. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Now, this morning as I was sitting in the office, the Lord spoke to me and he says, David, you need to give people the opportunity to take communion. I know it's not communion Sunday. I know we're in a ritual of doing it the first Sunday of every month. But what is communion? Communion is a rededication of ourselves to the Lord. Communion is saying today is a new beginning. So what the Lord asked me to do is to take this communion elements and place it over here on the table so that you can come over if you feel the Lord's spoken to you, if you feel that the Lord has challenged you for a new relationship with Him, I want you just to get up whenever we're, we're closing, when Pastor Lynn's up here while we're singing this, this worship song of creating me a clean heart. I want you just to get up and walk over and take communion, just between you and the Lord. No one's going to direct you in it. No one's going to tell you what to do. This is a time where you're rededicating yourself to the Lord. And I believe that when you do that, there's going to be a spiritual breakthrough in your life. I believe God wants to do something powerful in this church, in our lives, in us as a community of faith. But it starts with us making a decision to get up and to go to Bethel. It takes us making a decision to get up and to go and to meet the Lord. So why don't we stand? Pastor Rebecca's lead us in worship. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Creating me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within. And cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, and cast me not away from thy presence, O oh Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
week I had a dream and actually I didn't even know that it was as much of a prophetic dream as it as in this moment but it was a dream that I was having a house remodeled and there was these two girls that would come in and one would be so critical tearing down everything criticizing what was going on how things were very critical and the other was super sweet super kind super loving and I got the one that was kind and sweet. I took her aside and said, why are you with this other person? Why are you even with this person? You need to break up. You need to not be friends with this person. And then I woke up. And the Lord said, those two girls are two parts, the old man and the new man. And that old man wants to tear down everything that I'm doing in your life, that remodel that I'm doing. And, and the new man is, sees the beauty of what I'm doing. And the prophetic word is you need to break up with that old man. Do not let the old man speak into your spirit. Some of us, even the criticalness of ourselves, this Lord says, we're allowing the old man to criticize ourselves in our journey with the Lord. In other words, the critical old man is saying, you're not ever going to do it. You're not good enough. You can't be consistent. He's telling you all of those things to try to discourage you. And the Lord is saying, break up with the old man. Defeat that old man. Cast that old man out. He has no place. She has no place in you any longer. And even as Pastor David was speaking the new beginnings word, some of us have to commit to saying, I will have a new attitude of the mind. I will have a transformed mind. And that's casting away the critical spirit of the old man against ourselves. The truth is this. You can do this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be consistent. You can walk in power. You can be victorious. You can have overcoming power. Holy Spirit, we welcome you today. Lord, you are truly doing a new thing. Working from the inside out. And today is a day of dwelling. Making a commitment to abide. It's also a day to break up with the old man doesn't belong there. The, even the voice of the old man trying to discourage us, which can be our own flesh, could be our own, we can be our worst, own worst enemy by having a critical spirit about ourselves. And Lord, I just say, Father, you've sent that word that we are to uh, destroy and cast away that old man because we are new creations in you. And Lord, you have desired and designed us to dwell with you in your name. Amen. God bless you. 
as you go today in your new beginning. God bless you.